Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by USA-primed Frederick's Canvas. Supporting artists for 150 years, primed in Atlanta, Georgia, with the widest variety of primed and unprimed cottons and linens on the market. I've been using Frederick's for a long, long time, and it's always been a great canvas to work on in the studio. You can find Frederick's in your local art store or at frederick'sprintcanvas.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The school's full-time programs, a two-year MFA degree, and a three-year certificate program focus on experimental learning and sustained studio courses. Both programs invite students to focus on painting or sculpture, with drawing as an integral foundation for all creative production. Each semester begins with a two-week drawing or sculpture marathon to generate momentum and expand one's range of strategies for future studio work. Since its inception, the New York Studio School has emphasized rigorous learning through direct experience. Learn about scholarship opportunities, schedule a tour, and ask questions by emailing info at nyss.com. The school welcomes applications for fall 2020 full-time study through nyss.org. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is a company based in upstate New York and is committed to making the best artist materials for artists to make work with. You can get it in just about every art store and online at goldenpaints.com. Sana Hong was born and raised in Southern California. She graduated with a BA in art from Cal State University, Long Beach, and continued to hone her craft teaching art to children for several years. Her paintings are quietly narrative and often autobiographical, and no doubt influenced by her time teaching as well as her work in TV and feature animation. In 2004, she received an Emmy Award for individual achievement in production design for her work on My Life as a Teenage Robot. In 2006, she was the recipient of the Joan Mitchell Foundation grant. Her illustrated book, Animus, is in its third printing, and according to Ken Johnson from the New York Times, quote, the paintings are beautifully made, and the imagery is mysteriously touching. Sana continues to show her work in shows and galleries around the world, and is represented by Hashimoto Contemporary in San Francisco. I spoke with Sana in Manhattan right after her show had just opened, at Hashimoto Contemporary in New York City. The gallery, of course, is not open now, but you can see her work on the gallery website and follow her on Instagram at Sana Hong. This conversation was recorded before the COVID outbreak hit full tilt in New York City. Since this episode, I've begun recording podcasts over the internet and will continue to share these conversations in that format until this very important distancing to help prevent the spread is lifted. It's essential that we all do our part, and I sure hope these conversations provide some comfort for you all. Supporting creative artists is so essential in these times, and this music you're hearing is from Lullatone's new record, which you can get via a pay-as-you-wish download on their Bandcamp page. Without further ado, here's Sana and I in conversation. 
Oh, that's good. And um, see how much better. That's so much better. <laughs> Can I do like some Christina Aguilera? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. If we if we video it, that'll really. Oh, right. That wouldn't make sense on a podcast. <laughs> People just hear that tapping noise. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's when you really it. get into the conversation, right? When you Aguilera the mic. Yeah. <laughs> This is like the one platform where it's okay if you hip hop the mic. Okay. <laughs> you can you can get as close to it if you want. <laughs> um, but what you were talking about earlier too, the the hot mic, is that when people get caught saying something that like when they're like, oh. Oh, no, I meant hot as in like it picks up just a lot of oh. ambient sounds. Okay. You know, like the fire truck outside will be just as loud as, you know, what we're saying. But that's not that bad. That's not bad? Considering. Oh, Okay. Um, I mean, it is the Bowery. It's going to get, (laughs) there's going to be some action out there. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I'll hear like a siren in music and I pull over. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or like now they'll drop those little text. Like I listen to electronic stuff where they'll put in like ringtones or text alerts Mm -hmm. and then I'll look at my phone immediately (laughs) or a vibrate. Sometimes people put that in there. I was like, Oh really? Yeah. That's hilarious. I haven't seen that or heard that yet. And I'll go for it, you know, but I've legit pulled over and I'm like, what the is fuck? That, like, is why isn't anyone else pulled over? <laughs> I'm doing my civic duty. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that was just in the song. Right. <laughs> so you wanted weather. And you got, you're going to get, like, I feel like we have here lately, just, it's really up and down. Has it been? Do you feel like it's a warmer? It generally is right warm. Oh, yeah. We've only had, like, one snow. Really? And it wasn't, it was like an inch, if that. And usually we've had, like, a couple blizzards by now. Yep. Yeah, it's happening. It's all happening. Although, I drive every week to teach, so I'm not complaining uh, too much. I know, I hear you. There's I have to go through the Poconos, which get kind of, you know, if it's like snowing, like, you know that beautiful kind of like cosmetic snow? Yeah. Which as soon as it hits, it melts. Oh. If it's doing that in the city, in the mountains, it's like a full-on blizzard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which isn't fun to drive through. Wait, how often do you teach? Every week. Every week? Oh, my gosh. Like every well, day Well, I mean, the, the call it. No, no. I, I drive like I, for two days. Oh, so okay. I basically drive and and I don't commute each day. So oh, I'm okay. driving that drive twice a week to Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I mean, hence podcast. That's why I started getting into listening to podcasts. I said I was going to do that. So my commute to Culver City when I'm working in animation is yeah. 45 minutes to an hour every Isn't day. Isn't that crazy? It's yeah. just... It's, like traffic, it's and it's funny because, like, if you commute to the city for a job five days a week mm-hmm. here, and let's say you're out in Brooklyn or Queens, the commute all said none. It takes a while because mm-hmm. I mean it's close, but it you know it just mm-hmm. takes a while. I commute basically four hours twice a week, which is less than what more pe- most people commute. You oh, know? completely. So, but it's just it's psychologically different because you're further away. <laughs> but like I would imagine in L.A. with traffic, it could be. Brutal. Oh, there are times. So where I live, I have to f- drive further east to drop my daughter off at school. Yeah. And then pass my house again. And then go all the way <laughs> west to Culver City. Oh, you feel like you're so, retracing your steps. Yeah. So there are times where, um, so now I work from home, so it's it's a lot better. Yeah. But with, at, the, at its worst, this was half an hour up, half an hour back, then an hour. Oh. So there were times where I was in the car for two hours one way and then an hour home so that could be three hours in the car for one day of commuting which is almost mine 
for like for the one, week. Yeah, it's going crazy. to a different state. Yeah. I know. And I'm going to Culver City from Mount Washington, <laughs> which is 15 miles. I haven't spent that much time in LA. Okay. If you I've, look on a map, it, it would make you cry how close it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've through friends and, you know, like the geography and the whole driving thing, mm-hmm. but it really seems like a thing. Like you, I, I remember I went there when I had a show. And it was, the show was on La Cienega mm-hmm. and I was staying in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Is that far? I mean, for I just some remember, people, yeah. <laughs> I just remember being in the car a lot. Yeah. Because when I booked the hotel, it was like, oh, that's close. It, it On a map, it is. Yeah. That's what's so frustrating about it is on a map, it is. So you were correct in assuming that that right. was like a it doable amount. Right. But there are friendships that are lost by like just yeah. being on a, a different side of you know, the one-on-one freeway. Right. Like, I'm sorry, I can't come to your birthday party. It's yeah. too far, or, you know? Or openings. It seemed like that was a thing too. That's like, a huge thing too. You're going to pick one or two and that's all you can do. Yeah, and you just have to make it so you're staying on the same side of town. Right. If, if you, like, if I were to go on the west side, then yes, like, I'm going to do a bunch of the galleries over there and then yeah. stay over there and then eat dinner over there. And yeah, there's a whole strategy to it. And I know it's a whole joke about the Californians, like... Oh, yeah, that... Skit, it's hilarious. Yeah, you don't have to know that much about it for that to be fun. <laughs> and I try not to fall into that like stereotype, but it's so true. I'm obsessed. And then for a while, I was like, I'm going to be that person that outsmarts Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> I do that with New York City parking. Right? Yeah. I have so many hacks. Yeah. What's your What's your New York City parking hack? No, I just have studied it for oh. 20, 20 years now. I, <laughs> I know where every parking meter frees up at what times and how long and right? alternate sides and where that you just get to know. The, it becomes kind of like an art to knowing. It's true. The dance of it. Yes. You know? Yes. It's like an ant making a theromone path oh, to wherever they're going. <laughs> That's ours is just like traffic and parking. Traffic rules. and parking. And like when to get a reservation at a specific restaurant oh, yeah. or when to go. Like there's this one restaurant in LA that is packed, packed, packed. But I've realized if you go half an hour before everybody else or like at an odd time. So everybody makes brunch plans at 11 yeah. or 10. But if you go at 1045. Open. Open. <laughs> you figured it out. That's the other thing is the brunch plan. But I don't know if it's the same in New York, but LA, and this is a little secret between you and I, um, loading zones, Yeah, you can park in loading zones after six. Oh, they free up? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a ticket? You don't get a ticket. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> but you might want to check different states are different. Right. And then like, but some businesses that may be open longer. So that's like on a typical business block right. that like if they're mostly closing around six but if um like a liquor store or something that's staying open longer you might get a ticket so just check that the businesses around it are um closed and then you can park there for free you you know your stuff so you grew up in la i grew up in southern california southern Mm -hmm. is that near i mean what So Southern California, meaning like Orange Diego. County. No, oh, not okay. as far as not as far as Orange County. Of, yeah, Orange County, Long Beach. Nice. And, well, I went to school in Long Beach and then LA. So born and raised, mm-hmm. and you love it. I do. I when I so I was sort of joking around about my daughter keeping close for college choices, yeah. and which was the very opposite of me. Even though I went to Long Beach, which was close to where I grew up in Orange County. Um, I wanted to get really far (laughs) as possible. And then even like after I graduated and I was teaching art to kids for a while, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about grad school. And I started thinking about grad schools, like on the East coast, just everywhere, like just 
getting out of California and everything kept bringing me back here. And I think that there's like a natural sort of want to, you know, push out from where you grew up, no matter where you grow up. I think even like, I wonder about kids who grew up in like the most beautiful, amazing cities, probably still want to like yeah, branch out. out. Yeah. yeah. Cause you don't know if there's a, a better beautiful city. Exactly. Out there. And probably still come back, but there's just that push. So, right. um, definitely there was that natural push, but everything kept bringing me back, yeah. you know? And then I started working in the animation industry, which is, there's a huge community. In yeah. LA, it was set up so. for you. Mm-hmm. Well, growing up, were you always sort of creative? Was it in the family where mom and dad created? Like how did that start? So my dad is an architect and city planner. And mm-hmm. so we just had materials laying around. Like um, he had those stencils to make like uh, architectural renderings and architectural yeah. drawings. So like um, he even had like the little stencil for a toilet and a sink and stuff. <laughs> for like when you're doing the blue, like the schematics. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is back in the Pre-AutoCAD. 70s. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Analog. But I was just mesmerized by that. So I would like make all these like, um, you know, blueprints and drafting plans for my doll house, Mm -hmm. my dream doll house. And so I'd start doing that or just use his, you know, markers that I probably shouldn't have been using because they're like really nice. Got got used to good materials early. Exactly. I was like, you know, (laughs) just cramming them into the paper or. Um, just that he had like rolls and rolls and sh- of sheets of paper, which seems so cool. And so um, a home, he had a home he office. He had a home office. Oh, so you saw the creative, like you, you were around that. Yeah, it was all around. And then, um, but I think coming from an immigrant family, they just sort of um, had a certain idea of like they wanted their kids to be okay and successful, and what that meant didn't necessarily include being an artist yeah right <laughs> you know I think they supported me as like you know they always you know let me sign up for classes or art camps and stuff like that and they you know would hang up my grocery store coloring book contest things on the fridge yeah. and definitely encouraged all of that and you know birthday and Christmas gifts were always you know a new set of paints or crayons or whatever but I think that for a career they were thinking maybe another path for me they weren't really sure where it was gonna go <laughs> not the doctor lawyer yeah so <laughs> actually my sister's a lawyer and my brother's a doctor so i sort of feel like ah, I, see, you... I i skidded through <laughs> were you the youngest middle oh the middle mm-hmm. oh that makes sense yeah you got bookend by uh you know yeah. those professions exactly you're so... free to do what you want <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> maybe there is like a, a good you know having like multiple siblings Right, diversifies yeah. <laughs> diversifies the anxiety of the parents that like well at least we we know that that one is gonna have a exactly. job on <laughs> so they don't but i'm sure they they worry parents worry parents worry and so it's funny because i think that that deep-seated like uncertainty stayed with me i mean even today you know i've been a working artist for the last um 20 years and it's like um I'm still surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> because it's just not, you know, well, in school, did it, was, was it kind of, you know, like were you taking art classes in high school and you were good or you really liked it and you thought, oh, and did you have a teacher that kind of pushed you on or? Yes. So that's I, important. So important. And um, yeah, they always kind of 
you know, like encouraged whatever it was that I was working on and um, took special interest in me. And so my art teacher in high school, because my parents didn't really know, like, you know, the path to send me uh, when I was interested in applying to colleges and stuff, my high school art teacher was the one who kind of took me under his wing and he knew what position I was in, which was um, I was going to have to put myself through school. So it was like, what could I afford? Again, this was the early 90s (laughs) (laughs) tuition back then. Right. A little different? It was a lot different. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. But even then, you know, me as a 17-year-old, because I graduated as a like just the way that my birthday falls. I'm, I was 17 when I graduated and, and moved out uh, to go to school. Early. Early, yeah. yeah. Um, it still seemed really intimidating to like, kind of take all of that on. So um, he helped me figure out where to apply, where to apply locally, where I could afford to go, um, and uh, entered me into a bunch of community contests. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like the mall, you That's know, so important, <laughs> the though. Mall. Like yeah. it, it, it makes you feel like, oh, it, what I do operates outside of just this spot here. Completely. Like so, I can do it. Yeah. There were, yeah, I, I was starting to see examples of like, oh, I can enter these contests. I can win these contests and, um, you know, beyond the grocery store ones, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where, um, it actually paid for my first year of school. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Wow. You did well. Yeah. <laughs> I cleaned up with the Assistance League of <laughs> Orange County. <laughs> I think I got in one of those when I was a kid. It was like at a local church or not a church, like a community center sort of thing. And it was like an art contest, mm-hmm. you know, that your art teacher, they the good art teachers would kind of do that. They yeah. would say, you should, you know, apply. This is a great drawing. You should put it in. And I remember getting a prize or something, but it was a piece of paper, which was great, yeah. but it, it didn't fund my school. <laughs> you did well. Thank you. You were making bank. Well, thank you. Um, but yeah, I think that was where I first sort of started to see, um, like, oh, okay, this is this could be something. At least you know, in the in the very sort of short term, like, okay, at least I've got my first year of school covered. You know, that's great. Yeah. And mom and dad were probably like, well, at least she's got that. It's doing one year, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After that, we don't know. Right, right. <laughs> and there's still a little part of me that that's why I don't know. Maybe it stayed with me. Where I feel very lucky for the work that I get. I feel very lucky every time I have a show. Um, I feel lucky for every connection that I make, and yeah. I still feel like I don't know when the next one is going to come. And so um, I don't know. I hope that that's what kind of keeps me trying to make good work. And yeah. Motivate, yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful. Yeah, totally. I think it's a fear. good... A good yeah, fear. Fear is a great motivator. Yeah. <laughs> as well as boredom. That too. <laughs> fear and boredom make you creative. Well, when you went to school for college, I mean, did you did you know what like what you wanted to study or was it kind of loose? Did you think, oh, I just want to be creative or do you think I, I want to paint or I want to work, you know, on the computer? Or? So when I entered into school, the um, the avenues that you could go were not as broad as I, I feel like they are now. Like when I see people coming out of school now, it's like, oh my gosh, you studied what? It's so specific and it's yeah. so um, awesome. It just feels like there's so many more things. Whereas like when I started, the options that seemed like were open to me were painting, illustration, graphic design. And then if you went into other fields of like printmaking, ceramics, photography, um, that was there too. Um, but for me as a 2D artist, um, the things that I was considering was 
was painting or illustration. Mm-hmm. And I ended up graduating with a, um, a general art degree, which I am so grateful for now because I did get to be exposed to different mediums that I don't think I would have yeah. pursued, um, like ceramics. Um, not that I'm good at it at all. <laughs> I love ceramics too, and I was right? terrible. Same. I got, I got brutalized, like destroyed in my crits and stuff. Yeah. But I loved it. I love it. And I love it still, yeah. you know? And I feel like in some way it informs my practice now, um, even if it's just like understanding and loving the tactile quality of that, yeah. um, even if I'm terrible at it still. <laughs> you So you still do it? Every once in a while. So nice. I'll like find a class to do it and um, or I'll just find a studio. Now there's more uh, in LA where um, you can just go in and it doesn't have to be a specific class. You just have like open studio hours. You don't have to have a kiln in your studio. No. <laughs> Which I'm always impressed by. It's Me a, too. It's a commitment. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just a dangerous thing. I feel like to like be lighting things. I know, off. right? Combustibles yeah, in the studio. Exactly. I kept ceramics in my life. I'm just really, really good at buying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's and how I am too. I, I, my, I my buy love, a lot of it. <laughs> same. My love of it translated into loving other people's Exactly. Surrounding. You know what? You're better than I am. <laughs> and I can use it, which is great. Yeah, so. yeah. Exactly. Utilitarian it's, factor is yeah. really nice. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, so you keep that going once in a while? Yeah. So, um, you know, when I can and when I have time and yeah. when I let myself indulge in that because it is such a commitment, I feel mm-hmm. like, because... There are so many demands in life that, um, you know, if I can't get to this, like my painting studio for a few weeks, it's okay, but you can't do that with ceramics because then everything becomes dried and hard and you can't trim. (laughs) It's time-based for sure. Totally time-based. Yeah. And it's really, it's like, it's like baking versus cooking. Completely. And I love baking, Mm -hmm. but it is, it's that process. Yeah. You can't fudge things. It's all got to be time-based and all that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's difficult. That's something that I also love and I'm also terrible at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but it's chemistry. It is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's time it's a different speed, yeah. you know, which can be difficult when you get busy in life. Yeah. I feel like unless that's your one thing. Yeah. So in college, did you I mean what, what was when you graduated? Did you have a good experience? You had good professors and when you graduated, did you have like what was your plan? coming out of that I think again in that sort of um space of not knowing and (laughs) fear (laughs) and just in general just feeling like who knows what's going to happen but it's funny that even through all of that I just knew that I needed to be in the arts I mean part of it is that as I was going through school I you know didn't get great grades in you know high school but I think I found the student in me in college, and so I did better um, there for sure, but I still felt like that was still all geared toward um, something in the arts. Yeah. And so in some ways, I almost felt like that was the only choice for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's my path. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was never good at math. Um, (laughs) So... um, I sort of, and, and maybe this is a good place to start, was that I was like, I will do anything just related to the arts and feel like um, I'll have satisfaction and and I'll be learning something in some shape or form. Yeah. So 
even having like um, a job in an art supply store I for while I was in school felt like okay well um, I'm getting to know materials I'm getting to have a student or a you know an employee discount even like, right. <laughs> which helps yeah you know? definitely um, because that stuff can get so expensive right um, and then uh, all the way to like yeah just different odd jobs like somebody would have me design a logo because their brother's brother <laughs> or I guess a brother's brother is the same person but um <laughs> <laughs> brother's sister's brother of cousins <laughs> I'm trying to do more degrees of separation but I think I'm staying within the same family <laughs> um <laughs> would have like a t-shirt company that they wanted me to you know do a logo for so it was always like oh okay let me try this let me try that um and then when I was actually when I was still in school and then a little bit after I had graduated um I found myself at uh an after-school um, art program for kids. Mm-hmm. And so, again, even though I had never considered art education, um, I learned so much doing that. Yeah. And because, How long did you do it? Uh, for maybe three three or four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was so great. It was great hours um, because it was after school. Yeah. <laughs> for, because, <laughs> I mean, we just set up and break down and stuff like that. But... Um, uh, and I think, so it was ages 5 to 13. Mm-hmm. And developmentally, that's such a huge range. And yeah, so, yeah. yeah, as you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and so even trying to figure out like art concepts and things that I had you know learned and I was still learning in school, because like I said, I took this job while I was in school. Um, but then articulating it to a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Or even a 12-year-old or trying to keep their attention and, and keeping them engaged is different. Yeah, and plus it's such a different pathway to both. So I don't have experience teaching younger kids, but I coach kids. Mm-hmm. And I coach from ages from, you know, 5 to 19. Mm-hmm. And it's so different, it's so different. for like the 6-year-olds versus 9-year-olds. Oh, yeah. It's like a whole different other program. Oh, completely. Gotta, and it's so... Um, so much hinges on the social side of it. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Or like engaging like the communication idiosyncrasies that I don't, I'm always impressed with people who are able to navigate, you know, teaching those age groups because it's not easy. It is. I think sometimes like, you know, like a middle school art teacher, like, oh, you know, maybe it's less rigorous on the art side of, you know, that kind of education, but teaching those kids to be creative is so hard. Oh, completely. Cause it's a totally different way of, I feel like engagement, you know? And, um, like you said, for even, you know, grade to grade, and I would even have the same student Mm -hmm. through like a few years. And so even engaging with the same person throughout, you know, um, from, you know, seeing them change from an eight year old to a 12 year old was totally different. And trying to engage with that kid as they went through life was, was, and their own technical skills too on top of it. So, you know, um, just seeing ability change, seeing how, you know, they're taking in information changes. And I would have these kids Um, So it was like a wide range of ages. So it wasn't even like all the five-year-olds were in a class and then all the eight-year-olds were in a class. It was a full mix. So I was having to change the channel (laughs) between ability and age, you know, within five seconds and you're helping all these, you know, kids. And it got me to be really fast. It got me to edit and... um, Be prepared. Be prepared. Right? You got to be prepared. (laughs) If you walk in there not prepared, it's going to be chaos chaos (laughs) and a lot of like we're talking about our like sort of life hack things a lot of um 
finding games to figure out how to get them to like sit still for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an art form. <laughs> Which the older kids like kind of caught on to, you know, because yeah. I'd be like, okay, everybody, let's get all the wiggles out. Let's, you know, <laughs> freak out and just spaz out and do whatever you want. And we're going to play a game of freeze. So when I call freeze, everybody has to freeze no matter what you're doing. We'd all like really ham it up, like, you know, doing crazy poses with our, you know, smocks and brushes and pastels in our hands. And then while they were frozen like that, I'd go back to my desk and start doing the attendance <laughs> chain and just doing some of the right. paperwork. And an older kid sort of sauntered over to me and she was like, you're just doing this to get us to sit still. They figured you <laughs> out. I was like, yeah, but don't tell the little ones that the jig is up. <laughs> Secret safe with me. <laughs> so you're doing that and you, so that was during school, but then it, did it continue after? Yeah. Yeah. So continued um, for a while after. And then, yeah, I'd say it was about the four-year mark where I was like, okay, I love doing this, um, but I think I'm ready to take the next step with my own practice. So um, that's when I started considering grad schools. And then I met my ex-husband who was in animation at the time. Yeah, was in animation at the time. And um, I would just watch him. So he was a background painter and Mm -hmm. art director. And but the time that he was doing background paintings for cartoons, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. You just get to paint for a living. Yeah. And um, and there were just these beautifully designed paintings. And so um, and it's a job and it's a job <laughs> with a paycheck paycheck. Right. And, you know, a couple of times I tagged, you know, tagged along with him into the studio and there were free donuts. and. <laughs> The biggest laureate for real, free you know. Donuts. Yeah, free donuts, and especially as a kid who grew up with, you know, a mom who owned a health food store. I was like, Oh, oh that was contraband. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> this is what start, you were never were allowed to have. Never allowed to have. Like, it, you know, there was a soda machine too, like yeah. free sodas. I was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna start every day with a donut and soda. <laughs> Why not? Breakfast of champions. Sugar heaven. <laughs> right? The crash was gonna come did do you still have a sweet tooth because you never or i'm assuming health food store that you didn't have a lot of sweets around no so um yeah immigrant household yeah. health food store my mom's a nurse so yeah um i remember just begging for like wonder bread you know because yeah, <laughs> like, right. it was well also that probably was so visually appealing too but yeah we had no candy in the house like uh my best friend growing up you know part of the allure of going to her house um was that her mom had you know her cupboard stocked with ding-dongs and twinkies (laughs) (laughs) whereas like at my house it was like do you want spam or (laughs) (laughs) spam was the naughty food yes yeah it was like well also we were latchkey kids so it was like you know what we could prepare without having to cook you know (laughs) So it was like not as appealing, like ding dong spam, ding dong right. spam. So like, ding dongs. Yeah, exactly. Ready made. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, growing up that way was probably, you know, not the most fun, but I had my freak out moments, you know, like even in college, my first uh, week in the dorms just went bananas and yeah. just let loose. Let loose. <laughs> so that was the big perk of the. The animation job, did that make you want to take animation when you were in that atmosphere? 
Yeah, so anyway, so when I would watch my husband paint these backgrounds and just the community of artists, I was so intrigued. And yeah. um, everybody is so talented and just hilarious. And yeah, if you <laughs> already know or, you know, um, get a chance to know people in animation, they're just great people. And yeah. It's really funny. Um, so many students that I have, that's what they want to do. Their yeah. dream job is like to do the background, to do the artwork for animations. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's like a big thing. I mean, because kids grow up with that, you know, watching yeah. that stuff and you can merge painting and their favorite things to watch. So. Completely. Yeah. But I, those gigs aren't easy to get. They're not. No. And it's, it is, a, I, I, I think it's kind of West Coast heavy, right? It is, yeah. I mean, what I'm noticing now, so when I first started, it seemed like it was West Coast heavy. So that's why, you know, um, instead of going to grad school, I did end up staying um, in animation once I got into it through my ex. Yeah. Um, uh, but now, so I, I think I mentioned I work from home now. So I'm working in uh, visual, devel- visual development for features for Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, but partly the commute. Yeah. <laughs> but partly because... Um, they realize that there's just talent worldwide. Um, a lot of the artists that work there, and now I'm realizing in, in a lot of studios, like my husband works with a lot of artists all around the world. So um, everybody's just understanding that that talent is out there. So people work remotely. So yeah. you don't even have to move to, you know. I know it seems that sort of arena seems more conducive to decentralized working mm-hmm. than anything else, yeah. really. Because you could just animate. And there's so many people who work on these films. You mm-hmm. know, you would think to save commuting and all that, it's like, okay, here's your thing that you're going to work on. Mm-hmm. Is that how it's starting to I do think migrate so. towards? Yeah. yeah. And and there's a few things that I think are, are um, helping to point toward that. When I first started, you know, I was still painting with traditional paints. So gouache and acrylic um, and, you know, just paint splattered desks. <laughs> Yeah. And clothes and it was really fun and um uh very tactile um and then more and more things started to move into the digital realm and um now i think it's completely digital yeah so even more so you can really work right. wherever um, because you're just sending files now yeah. whereas like before um even when i was freelancing but still had to deliver physical paintings you know that's a challenge, you know? Yeah, it's got to um, get there. Yeah, but now they have programs where um, whether you're a storyboard artist, whether you're a designer, whether you're a painter, I mean, all of that is just so easy to send in as a file. Yeah. Yeah. So that was your thing, basically? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just teach yourself that? No, 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 no. So um, like I was saying, through my ex, um, he taught me some of the basics of gouache, which I don't know if you've ever used it, but it yeah. is. Okay. Um it's one of my favorite mediums, but I think it's the hardest. Yeah. And it's unforgiving. It's so unforgiving. <laughs> it's a commitment, but it has that rich sort of flat, you know, yeah. feel to it. Yes. And it's, I love it. And working in animation, it's great because you can re-wet it. Yeah. So, you know, there'd be times where I'd turn in a painting and then the art director would say, oh, actually we need this, this, and this changed. But if you already had that paint mixed, it was easier to go back into something. Um, but also the you know, downfall of that is that it rewets. And right. so, um, I've sneezed on a painting. Oh. I've <laughs> <laughs> it must be a cool effect. I've 
spilled coffee on a painting, you know, after spending hours and hours and oh. hours working on it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty You'd have a no beverage role in the circumference? You or? would think that that would have been... <laughs> Instituted? It wasn't? No. <laughs> there were a lot of times, too, where, you know, I was dipping my paintbrush in my coffee accidentally and then drinking my paint water Ooh. accidentally, you know, lots of liquid uh, confusion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, actually, it's funny because as things went more digital, I actually resisted it for a long time because, um, I don't know, I just really loved painting. Yeah. And um, uh, so as far as like teaching myself, one of my first jobs, um, they asked me if I knew Photoshop and I just sort of fibbed. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, I know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then I, you Tutorials? Know, or no? Lots of tutorials, yeah. lots of Photoshop for dummies. And... Um, Lots of staying after hours and just teaching myself. Right. And which I, part of what I love about Photoshop is that it is so intuitive. And so, um, you know, what's great about animation because it's such a collaborative process is there's a bunch of artists who probably come in with their own take on things, come in with their own style of working on things. Yeah. But we come to a cohesive sort of end product. And when I've watched other painters paint in Photoshop, they're doing hotkeys. Oh, yeah. They've got things. it down. They've got it down. They've got all these methods. And so on every job, you know, we're either sharing brushes or we're sharing like shortcuts and we're showing tricks. And so it's also sort of been in practice that I've just picked right. things up along the way. It's the best way to learn, right? Totally. It's like learning a language. You can book do it, but then when you're out there speaking, it accelerates it. Completely. And if you're working on something that, that helps out. Yeah. And in use. Like, yeah. I don't know if, like you said, if I learned it in a book or in a class, it would have gone in for me, or at least the way that I learn, as much as knowing like what I use and what is actually useful for me to know the shorter you know, way to do something yeah. or the more direct way to do something. So um, having it in practice, like you're saying, like a language, yeah. is, is totally what got me to be more fluent. So you kind it. of taught yourself digital media. Yeah, and then... <laughs> And what were you working on at the time? Like, what kind of projects? Um, uh, TV. TV yeah. series, yeah. And then are you doing your own stuff on the side, or is that the bulk of your time? Yeah, so all along, um, I've been really lucky to be having my personal work, my fine artwork in um, shows, whether it's group shows. And, you know, when I was first starting out, it was getting works together to have like my first show in a coffee shop, you know, and like yeah. things like that in tandem with, you know, starting my career in animation. So it was like launching these two things that were both very uncertain. Very <laughs> at the but same time. Yeah. At the same time. And even though they seemed related, they actually satisfied two totally different parts of my brain. You know, right. animation is so collaborative. Um, and then my fine art is very solid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? That's a nice balance though, right? It's a really nice balance and, um, you know, problem solving in different ways, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, getting critique in different ways too. Totally. And, um, it, it actually was really nice to start off both at the same time because it helped animation helped me to not think of things in such a precious way Yeah, and just help me move through you know, whether it was like painting block or whatever, like it just helped me to keep moving, which, you know, as you know, the demands of life got even bigger, like with having a kid, it was like, okay, I can't wait for the luxury of inspiration. Right. Here's my two hours to paint. Got to work through it. <laughs> yeah. Work through it's it. good motivation. Mm -hmm. you know? 
Yeah, when you just have to kind of plow through something. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have the time to figure out the perfect scenario. But no. Mm-mm. It's like, I just got to get this done. And even understanding what's a lateral decision right. versus moving something forward. Yeah. Um, you know, I've definitely moved backwards on things right, too, right. for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I would say almost more frustrating than that is just continuing to make lateral moves. Yeah. And so um, I think animation helped me with that for my fine art stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, again, a really great balance where they seem like they're in the same world sort of, but they're actually, you know, working two totally different parts of my brain. Yeah. So I want to talk about how you first started showing the work. What did you call it? Not rogue. Feral. Feral quality. (laughs) Did that help you when you started showing work? Like, how did you start sort of connecting with the art, you know, the showing art community out of school or was it during school? Uh, That's five questions in one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, part one. Yeah. Um, I think that I, uh, let's see, how did I start? Probably after school. It was friends from school or no, I think that I, the first opportunity that I got was at a coffee shop that I just went to all the time and had enough moxie to ask, how do you choose whose art goes up every month, you know? And, um, so they let me have a month and it was great. And what's um, the work look like then? Like what's the medium? Uh, figurative oil painting. Okay. Very different than what I do now. Sort of liken it to like traditional like a little more representational traditional or representational um i still love portraiture you know um and again i have a lot of figurative qualities and elements in my work but um what i was doing then is very very different yeah um probably just coming straight out of school it was still finding uh my personal style and stuff just working Um, with the medium and mm -hmm. doing that thing yeah and so conceptually it just was about um painting my friends yeah having them sit for me and just trying to keep that muscle loose in a way like okay i've graduated now and i need to keep making work and i think i've always been that way like i um need specific goals to sort of aim for right, yeah. or to make a body of work um, and it kind of keeps me focused in that way because it is easy to start thinking about something else or laundry or <laughs> <laughs> right. going back to the laundry always, always oh, sneaks in there oh <laughs> from the laundry you think I'd be better at it by now <laughs> with all the thinking of it you can't drink a painting <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah so you know Again, I think thinking I'm going to try to take every opportunity that's related to making art or being around it as much as possible. So, you know, at the same time that I or like kind of around the same time that I started the teaching job, I started thinking about like, okay, how do I want to get my personal work out there and kind of understanding myself as somebody who liked to make work, like to look at other people's work out there in the world, but also knowing that my, my personality is fairly passive too in putting it out there. And so, um, I just promised myself, okay, if I'm shy about this, if I'm shy about getting it really, really out there, um, 
then the opportunities that come to me, I have to be really open to. Right. Um, whether I feel ready for it, whether I feel like I have time for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just have to say yes. So yeah. I challenged myself to say yes more than no. Um, and actually probably those first few years, I just said yes to everything. Right. Um, and I think that was a really good thing because that just put to get me, out there, right? Mm-hmm, completely. And yeah. it made me um, get into really positive situations that maybe I might not have done if it were up to me or just my own druthers. And so um, being able to find people that I trusted working with too has been um, really fortunate. So seeing how relationships build from one thing to the next, even um, finding myself in this really great community where um, being part of group shows, whether it's through a community of friends or some new artists, Mm -hmm. inevitably you know, uh, I'll meet a new collector, a new collector will see my work or, you know, who might not have seen it had it just been a show of my work. So, you know, broadening that sort of scope and community has been so great. And so I know a lot of artists who also work as curators too. So, um, a lot of people who are just jumping back and forth from kind of all ways of being in the art world. (laughs) I don't know a single artist who has a career that's the same. So, you know, I happen to be in animation and um, show my own work, but I know people who are teaching and showing their own work, you know, yeah. like you, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, or do graphic design. And, you know, there's just so many ways to do it. Definitely. Um, and so I've had really great opportunities come across my plate that, again, um, some of them not even knowing that it existed. So even like with animation, even though I grew up watching cartoons, mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just sort of thought they were created like in some North Pole Santa's village room. <laughs> Magically appeared. Yeah. yeah. And so just... Yeah, you don't picture a room full of people just, you know, right. slogging away. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, but that's what, that's what it is. It is. And it's usually, at least for painters, in a dark office to yeah. that. So. <laughs> Have you, seen, have you seen like images of those old Warner Brother cartoons of the people who used to work on those? No. They were all like guys like that look like Mad Men or something, oh. like smoking cigars and oh, pipes that, yes, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like painting like Bugs Bunny. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was so stylish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, or like the white gloves, you know, yeah, for yeah, the painters yeah. and the ink and painters. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it was it was a beautiful time. <laughs> beautiful outfit. <laughs> now I'm just sitting in my sweats like the <laughs> <laughs> computer. Part of the yeah. Spilling a coffee on the keyboard. Completely. <laughs> Next to my peanut butter jelly sandwich. Like, there's no white gloves here. But I do love working from home. Yeah. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, At that, one quick question. At that time, when you're doing your work and doing the other work, what's the, I'm sure the scope is wide, but the influence of like, what are you looking at? Like, what are the things that you're the most excited about? as far as like inspiration, not one-to-one, but just, you know, visual inspiration. Is it everything? Is it cartoons? Is it paintings? Is it, you know, graphic design or movies or? All of it. Did I just answer the question? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what I imagine based on like your path and stuff, you know, that you would be taking all that stuff in. Yeah. But does it get hierarchical in any way or is it just kind of like all open? I'd say for sure I'm a visual person. And so mm-hmm. even when I go to the grocery store, I pick food based on the label. The oh. <laughs> or like, you know, when you go to the, ca- 
the you know aisle of different kidney beans that you can get. I yeah, just yeah. get the prettiest the label. Best looking one. Yeah. yeah, it's gotta taste good. It looks. You good. know, and there's even been some you know things that I don't get because the package design is so terrible. <laughs> even if I know it's delicious. Right. Um, or I'll just look away. And well, remember, I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but remember the days when you would have to buy a record? Yes. Because of the artwork. Completely. Oh. You couldn't hear it? Yeah. I miss that, actually, about being able to, like, look at, you know, the, the yeah. artwork and really absorb it and even hold that in your hand when you were listening to the music and just right. read liner notes. And, like, I remember just memorizing, you know, all the graphics and yeah. all the artwork and all the pages and sleeve design. Yeah. I, You'd make I a decision that. based on an image. Oh, completely. You know? And I feel like I... It's funny that you bring that up because in addition to all the sort of visual things that I'm influenced by, and like you were talking about cartoons and graphic design out there in the world and Mm -hmm. um, beautiful art that everybody makes and architecture, architecture I love so much, um, a big influence is music. So um, I was going to ask about that. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I listen to music, you know, whether it's, you know, having the luxury of like staring at that beautiful album artwork the connection for me is so visceral that even to this day, um, at least when I was making those connections before, um, when I would buy music or listen to music or listen to albums over and over, I remember the album cover. Yeah. Um, it just has this imprint on me. Or maybe it was a life experience or a certain relationship where it just is imprinted, sort of like how I feel like, you know, if somebody has um, a sense memory with smell, you know, like it just sort of takes me back. Um, And so same thing with when I'm making work, um, whether it's animation or my own personal work, there have been times where I'll look at a painting and I hear the song I was listening to um, more than anything. And that's what completely takes me back. And it's interesting because I've talked to a few musician friends of mine who say it's different. It's the exact opposite. Like, When they're making music, they see pictures. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so um, it's kind of an interesting, I feel like, balance and relationship. But I hear music. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, the whole podcast, I've sound and vision. It's <laughs> such a, I mean, music has been such a big part of my life. And I feel like there's such great parallels, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so much crossover between the two. Mm-hmm. And I have this issue where when I look at art, I think of the kind of music it sounds like, right. you know, yeah. which I think is really fun to do. Yeah. And maybe some of that does stem from like, you know, the experience of associating art with music whenever I'm looking at those album covers, because mm-hmm. that was such a big part of that. The excitement of it. I mean, all the way back from like, you know, Van Halen record, like a Van Halen record I got with a little smoking cherubic, like, you know, kid or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But that image or like Michael Jackson's thriller yeah. with him and the tiger was such a big image in my head Oh yeah, that I think, you know, impactful images or visual sort of stamps on your brain just continue in your life. Like it, ha- it, it has such a, it's like a roadmap. Oh yeah. In a completely, way. completely. Yeah. So that what, I mean, were you into music as a kid? It, was it always a big thing in your life? I was, but I think back when I was a kid, it was probably just the music that was around me. In the I, house? I don't think I was, yeah, I don't think I was actively pursuing it or making my own choices until probably college. What were your parents listening to? Um, like, was there music in the house? Yeah. What did, What am I? Well, a lot of religious music, and oh, yeah? then um, uh, John Denver. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Here's another. <laughs> I guess that makes religious music and John Denver. And then here, here I'm going to change the channel again. And then having an older. <laughs> oh, I love Hall and yeah, yeah. But having an older sister, um, she introduced me to Prince and the Revolution. Oh, so. <laughs> that is religion. <laughs> that is religion in and of itself. So, That's a religion I can get behind. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, all of that, exactly. Probably, you know, I was too young to understand all of it, you know, right, right. Uh, and all the lyrics, but definitely I was like, but this, I feel something, this is different, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then when I started uh, going to college, then I got introduced to a lot of other music, which probably informs most of my choices today. Yeah. But, um, what kind of music was that? So let's see, Sonic Youth, Nirvana, oh, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was the early '90s. So, um, oh gosh, who else? The Breeders, um, throwing muses. I mean, it's all. Oh God, it's I mean, are we trees. are we Dinosaur pretty much Junior. <laughs> the same? Are we pretty much the same age? I think so. Forty six. Yeah, forty five. Oh, forty five. Okay. Yeah, so we had the same. Odd. Growing yeah. ups, <laughs> did you get into like a British thing like Stone Roses, Stone and Roses, My Bloody Valentine, yes. and all that stuff? Oh my gosh! And yes, then yes, hip yes. like or rap music at that time was really like Public Enemy was great. Yeah, The Smiths, and mm-hmm. it was like you know a cauldron. Yeah, it was yeah. a good time. It was a really good time. It's funny, my daughter loves all that music now too, and she totally unironically was like, "I think I'm just a, a, a girl of the '90s." I was like, oh, <laughs> "That sounds weird, doesn't it?" <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you get older. <laughs> but it's funny because, you know, for us, listening to our parents' music just felt like, oh, this is our parents' music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that she's listening to that stuff and it's coming up on the radio as like, oh, this is like the classics. Or the right. All, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, because that was 30 years ago, right? It's weird when you live through it. Like, it was easier to go back to Zeppelin because it was before. Like, right? we couldn't go see Zeppelin live. Yeah. You know, yeah. but... I guess it makes sense that they would go back to Nirvana. Right, yeah. I mean, it's good. It's still Sonic so Youth, good, I, I know. know. Although Sonic Youth, I feel like, is a little deeper of a cut for a younger person. Right? But it's pretty she's, cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's into it. Yeah, like Green Day and all those are getting, like, my son's really into that stuff. Yeah. I love that they're revisiting all that. Yeah. Wow. I guess it, that's the true test. Yeah. <laughs> if it sticks around, right? <laughs> and also because we're such cool parents, right? <laughs> oh, it's true. I wasn't going to say it, but. I say it to him all the time. Oh, I'm constantly reminding Doesn't my go daughter. over well. It's weird. <laughs> it I like to land. do it when I'm snapping my fingers too. Oh, yeah. I'm that cool, adds, Mom. Oh, I'm sure she loves that. That adds a little more annoying yeah. quality to yeah, it. Yeah, it really sinks in then. Yeah, you know? I deliver mine with dad jokes on yeah. the side, which <laughs> always creates. I have so many. <laughs> I have so, I'm getting so good at it. I know. Yeah. I know. It's. It, and it's funny because the same thing happened. Like my dad used to drive me crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, the cycle of life it's it's only fair <laughs> right i know i'm giving back yeah yeah for the torment that i was put through <laughs> the hilarious thing is i don't even know if it's necessary for her to enjoy my dad jokes i just enjoy them oh so yeah they're totally self-serving <laughs> it's all for me yeah that's probably why they're so obnoxious i to them. know oh i'll chuckle in bed as i'm falling asleep like oh, <laughs> that was a good one today <laughs> kids are going crazy oh she's just rolling her eyes i know it she just yeah. knows somewhere out in the world <laughs> i'm doing the dad joke 
give her 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. She might be pulling those jokes. Oh, every once in a while she'll throw one down. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you write that down. Put a little dad joke list on the fridge. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I have taught you something. <laughs> this is my legacy. <laughs> Artwork, smart work. Right. It's all in the dad jokes we pass along to I our know, kids. Is I she know. creative? She is so creative. Yeah. And she's, um, you know, it's so amazing because I see it in her whole being. Being. Yeah. yeah. She loves playing piano. Um, she loves jazz. Nice. Um, and she plays in her jazz band at school. And it's like, where did you come from? She's so amazing. Cool. But she's always been sort of like an 84 year old woman trapped in a little kid body. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, she draws beautifully, is so creative, comes up with stories all the time. She's an avid reader. Um, her fashion sense has always been very individual. That's cool. <laughs> um, and her dad's an artist. Her stepdad's an artist. Um, and uh, That's a lot of art influence. That's a lot of art influence. And we always joked that we would have... An Alex P. Keaton-esque moment where <laughs> she just rebelled against all that. Stockbroker. Yeah. Speaking. And so <laughs> go to Wall Street, Mom. She didn't totally go that route, but she wants to study astrophysics. Nice. Yeah. And she's a total academic. And so... But that's... Um, that's creative too i mean that's like looking at the star you know completely something totally like creative and artistic about right that. it's still super creative yeah, yeah. And even in the music that she loves she associates so much math with it and um just yeah. like math rock <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> explosions <laughs> in the sky exactly. <laughs> some wolf pick yeah um, oh, wow. nice. <laughs> right? Good call. um yeah she it's so you funny you are the cool mom oh thank you <laughs> um yeah, I asked her just point blank. I was like, are you rebelling? <laughs> <laughs> she said, yes. yes. <laughs> I said, if this is the way you're rebelling, then I'm cool with it. <laughs> because I did terrible things as a teenager. So oh, yeah. in contrast, I'll a take A mild this rebelling is nice. Yeah, yeah. As she should. <laughs> well, getting back to your artwork, mm-hmm. when did the transition from that early figurative stuff, like the kind of stuff that you were doing that was exploring paint. Like how does it come to now and like what you're working on now, the imagery and the way that you're working? I would say um, almost the environment of my life has really affected the environment of my paintings. So they were really subject driven before Mm -hmm. and now I feel like they're sort of these more emotion and uh, landscape uh, landscapes of my inner workings yeah. <laughs> and that makes it a lot more abstract and sort of open to interpretation which I love and you know I learned as one of the things that I wanted to do with art and what I respond to when I see art is its ability to communicate and what um, I appreciate a lot too is when I um can make something that means something really personal to me mm-hmm. and then I hear someone else's interpretation of it and it's totally different. Yeah. But I love it even more sometimes, right, right. you know? Because they're bringing something to it, right? Completely, yeah. And um, almost in the same way with music. Like, obviously, I might not know what a songwriter was going through when they wrote something, but I'll listen to that song and it means something completely personal to me. Yeah. 
And in the same way that I feel like I get a chance to adopt that meaning for me um, and in the songs that I love, um, I hope that that's what I can do when I'm making my work is on the one hand make something really personal but also open enough mm-hmm. that it's can be somebody else's too. Yeah. And the way they interpret that. Um, and so part of that was just the way that my brain was working. Part of it too is just the very practical ways of um, my practice changing, you know, being a parent, having a, another job where, you know, the days of starting with a piece of work, going from start to finish on that, um, were sort of gone yeah. like, and waiting for inspiration. So um, what I started doing was working on two or three pieces at a time so that um, I wouldn't get stuck on a painting if I if something wasn't working rather than continuing to overwork something or move give to up the other. just yeah. move to the next one like a shark. Right. <laughs> Navigate those waters. Yeah. And and then go back to something, you know, and a lot of times that's all I needed was some perspective or space or time to come back to something and see it in a different way. And there was a lot of times where I would just paint something out completely and then I was gonna say, over. do you ever come back and be like, Yeah, I just can't get back into that one. Yeah. Like, oh, that was terrible. <laughs> I've done that, yeah. When it's, you're like, oh, the time, you know, you just got to scrap it. Sometimes you got to scrap it. Sometimes you have to scrap it, yeah, for sure. And I'd rather scrap it than overwork something. Right. Yeah. Or, like, make something that's, yeah, like the labored trying to save something that would just be easier to start new. Mm-hmm, yeah, because yeah. I feel like you can see that. Like, right. I feel like, um, yeah. That's that's probably my biggest thing that I try to either steer away from or the things that I don't like in my own work is when I feel like I'm overworking something. So the less I do that and the more I just kind of go, okay, it's just not working. I know that was 20 hours down the drain, but it's better to do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always envious of those artists who have that built into the process where the struggle becomes part of the palimpsest and it lay, layers in the work and it just makes it feel like richer in mm-hmm. a way, but... It's just not how I work. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to look like I'm trying to like, you know, polish a turd. And just, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. It's time to start fresh. Yeah. I've got some shiny turds out there. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> you can polish it all you want. Yep. Yep. Nope. Definitely. <laughs> and, you know, there's a certain amount too where, um, again, in leaving some space open for the viewer, there are some works where I'm like, okay, I'm not really sure where this is yeah. I'm not really sure if it's done I'd rather have it be um something where that's still a question rather than again going too far and being like this is overdone um but leaving that space and then um I'm always pleasantly surprised because I'll put work into a show where those are the ones that people respond to the most yeah. and they say and then again they're filling in those blanks that I wasn't sure about and it's like oh okay that's what that was meant for right. and so I actually really love that that that's part of that conversation and um so I like making the work that um you know I have an understanding of like okay this is what I intended to do <laughs> and then there's a good chunk of stuff where I'm like wow that's a surprise I don't like that or oh that turned out better than I thought and yeah. or I don't I'm not sure and so I think part of um this process for me and making work and making shows and making bodies of work too it's not these singular pieces so what I like about making a body of work is kind of putting 
that they all relate to each other in that way and that they're all at different states kind yeah. of in a way too. So yeah, I like bodies making those sort of larger groupings because of that. Well, why don't you tell listeners about the body of work that you're here for? This body of work. So the title of the show is called liminal space. Mm -hmm. So, um, I started off again, you know, with this whole idea of limbo, like what is, what is the in between space for me? Because, um, I know we're joking about like planning and, and being a planimal. That's my husband's word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, copyright. Um, (laughs) um, I'm somebody who finds great comfort now um, with all the things in my life that mm-hmm. are important to me to really know where my landing place is. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of discomfort and uncertainty. And uh, whether it's, you know, like a physical space that I'm going to or just a mental space, whether it's like being between jobs or um, just any kind of unknown is really, really scary. It's like, you know the monster's never scary when you see it. It's the, it's the behind the corner thing. Um, and trying to find more comfort in that. Um, and, uh, I was saying this to the gallery director. She was asking me about this too. And I was recalling how, um, as a kid, I used to read those choose your own adventure books. Oh yeah. Oh, backwards. (laughs) Navigate your way to the beginning. Yeah. I would find the ending that I wanted. Yeah. And then read it backwards to get the that result. Oh. Which made a story that made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but the story was the journey, right? Yeah, but it made it a math problem to yeah. figure out the ending that I wanted. Right. Rather than enjoying the story. No, it's like it an went. analytical yeah. solving of yeah. the riddle. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole idea of it is that there's multiple like it's yeah open exactly and you, you choose as to, you go yeah right um planimal planimal <laughs> <laughs> that's planimal working in the negative yeah. <laughs> um so in that space and so okay so going back to what this work right now means to me is you know my daughter's about to go off to college mm-hmm. this world feels upside down sometimes with everything that's going on in the news yeah um, and all the things that will hopefully be in our mix to be hopefully <laughs> making more change in the future. One can hope. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Um, and, and we do all we can. Um, and I, I just feel like always I'm kind of resetting and refiguring out like, oh, okay, what's around me? What's changing? Where am I landing next? Where is this space in between? Um, and so I started off this work just in that not knowing space and, um, just personally. And then, and my space in the world that we're in. And, um, and then again, a lot of things do kind of come down to the practical aspects of my life too. So it's sort of like, okay, um, as I'm building this work, I'm going to let myself, you know, do the choose your own adventure page by page rather right, right. than figuring out what the ending is <laughs> Going first. backwards. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, something that I did differently with this work than what I usually do is I started with the highest contrast first. So, you know, looking at uh, a blank canvas or a blank piece of paper is always really intimidating to me. So I'll start with like really kind of 
muted marks and kind of build up to a painting. Mm-hmm. And this time I just got out my black paint and just went for went head for first. It. <laughs> head yeah. first. Deep end of the pool. Deep end of the pool, highest contrast first. And again, yeah. maybe that is what it feels like right now in this world. Everything feels turned up. Right. And very high contrast. And so doing that first pass on everything, then it was going back into the painting to find ways to balance and soften it, which I feel like is also part of what I've been doing in the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> Two. Is that yeah, how long did, is that how long you've been working on this? show i feel like i start working on a show in my head you know from the moment i start thinking about it r&d like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> mood boarding yeah. yeah it takes a while right yeah um does r&d mean resting and daydreaming <laughs> <laughs> yeah and <laughs> um and then I think maybe because I'm a production artist the actual making of it I I just get into the practical aspect of it and then that you know um, I can actually work pretty fast um, but the thinking about it takes a long time so yeah everything goes into it and has been sort of marinating in my brain and so for probably you know a couple years but then actually physically starting to make the work was maybe like six months ago yeah so you've got it all planned well planable Planable. <laughs> maybe it comes from your background in planimation <laughs> <laughs> sorry I had to. <laughs> well, got to plan out those animations. <laughs> I do animation too, and it's it's definitely because I never went to school for it. I mean, that it, for me takes so much longer than painting. Oh yeah, because I really have to plan out like the images and how I'm going to move things and storyboard things, and it just takes so much longer. Yeah, and whereas oh, painting is just like I can just do the painting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you start process. off like with a full? plan first or do you uh sometimes sometimes i don't i mean my animations are they look like moving paintings basically like they're not so narrative Mm -hmm. explicitly narrative i mean there's sometimes they're they're more than others but they're a little more improvisational as far as like how these scenes are going to move between each other but Mm -hmm. um but yeah i'm not i mean compared to the paintings where i'm just planning one image Mm -hmm. these are like a series of images and then sound and like how that stuff comes together it's just a lot more Planimating. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for those clandestine moments. Oh my! <laughs> Did you? That was the sound of a thousand people unsubscribing. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm joking. That was so good. We just keep them going. These are like kind of like mom jokes, but we got to come up with some sort of name for the. <laughs> Puns, parent, parent, nah. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll workshop this. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can people find your work? So the show is at Hashimoto Gallery, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. And um, do you do you have the dates offhand? Yes. Okay. Um, it's up until March 28th. March 28th. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's in New York City yes. for all those are not in New York. And, but you do, do you have anything else coming up or do you, is there anywhere else? Where can people also find your work outside of, if they're in New York at Hashimoto? Um, yes. Yeah, so Hashimoto and, um, Contemporary in San Francisco also has some work, uh, not on display, but they just yeah. have, um, uh, a chunk of my stuff there. And on my website, you do social media. I do the social media. The. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the cool and website, the Instagram, yeah, the, and the website, yeah. <laughs> so Sanahong on both, yeah, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for 
meeting up with me. Thank you for Congrats this. on the show and good luck with it. Thank you. And uh, it was great talking to you. It was really nice talking with Thanks. you too. Thank you. Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can find more images at Instagram at soundandvisionpodcast. You can find out more about my work at brianalfred.net or at Alfred Studio on Instagram. And many thanks to all the listeners. Many thanks to Michael Lovett for his introduction. Lullatone for the new music, the intro and outro which is from their new record, which you can find on their Bandcamp page. If you just Google Lullatone and check out their Bandcamp page and you can pay as you wish. This album is called Room Loops. So support them. Support Michael with his project, Nazca Lines, N-Z-C-A Space Lines. That's his band. You can find out more about his music on Spotify, just Nazca Lines. And he also plays in Metronomy. So check that out as well. Uh, many thanks for Sana Hong for speaking with me. Um, it's a real bummer that her show just opened and the gallery is closed and uh, a lot of artists are going through that right now. But um, make sure that you go online and check out the work and support artists and creative people any way you can. Uh, thanks to all the people who have been sending in uh, messages since being kind of shut in that uh you know listening to the podcast has has been something that's a lot of people seem to take comfort in when they're stuck at home stuck inside and just listening to other people's stories so i really appreciate all the uh the thank yous and all the uh messages that you send my way and uh there's plenty more coming doing them over the internet but it still works and um it's great because we use video conferencing and then we record it that way so i'm still in a way face-to-face with people and uh, connecting so look forward to releasing many more and um, if you can go to iTunes and leave a rating and review so more people who are interested in these artists and and art talk can find this podcast and you know can hit their ears thanks a lot for all your support <laughs>